Hello, and welcome to the How to Get an Analytics Job podcast. My name is John David Arianson, and I'm your host. I'm what you would call a practicing professor. I have years of experience consulting in the analytics industry, and I have years of experience teaching analytics in the classroom at Greensboro College. This podcast is an ecosystem that I developed for my students so that they could get world-class career advice from leading analytics experts. To date, my students have got to ask questions directly to analysts and data scientists from Amazon, Apple, and Google. They've even got to talk directly to CEOs, CMOs, and presidents of companies who have been former clients of mine to get insights on how senior managers use data to drive their business decisions. If you're interested in becoming one of my students, check the links in the description down below. I'm currently offering two programs. One is a one-month career services program, and the other is an analytics apprenticeship program associated with Greensboro College. In both of those programs, we take a three-tiered hybrid approach. So you'll have access to pre-recorded asynchronous lectures, live group lectures in a cohort setting, and one-on-one coaching with experts in the analytics space. On average, our students are gaining about a $16,000 pay increase going through the program. On the high end, we've actually helped someone achieve a $54,000 pay increase. This means that on average, our students are recouping their investment between one to two months of landing their job. So if you're ready to take your career to the next level, click the links in the description and apply for our program. I would love to get to work with you. With all that being said, I hope you enjoy this podcast episode. Welcome back to the How to Get an Analytics Shop podcast. So this episode is going to be interesting because we've got Ben Burke, who is a senior data scientist, and also, Ben, you're doing consulting under this the consultancy. It's called Between the Data, right? That's correct. Yep. I created a little business and call it uh, Between the Data. So it's my own little, little nest here. Yeah. So I think what we're going to be focusing on, which I think is a fantastic topic, both for those in the consulting space and who are working full time, is how to serve your customers within analytics. So why don't you start off with kind of giving a brief background of like who you are, how you got to where you're at and kind of like what's your I'm kind of curious, like what's your specific tool stack or skill stack? Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, so like I said, um, like you introduced, my name is Ben Burke. Um I actually started my career as a graphic designer and mm. learned very quickly that Ben Burke is not a graphic designer. <laughs> um, it's, it's paid me some good um, help when I do like, you know, Power BI designs and, and things like that. But um, I learned quickly that I liked technology and I liked, uh, you know, the connectivity that it brings. Um, so I kind of merged into an, an, the IT field pretty rapidly. And I actually started out as a, a business analyst. So as a business analyst, for those that may not know, <clears throat> it's the person that talks to the business, but then communicates to the IT side about the needs of the business. And so I learned to get really good at capturing kind of the wants and the needs from the business and saying, hey, what is it that you want? What is it that you want to look like? What is it? How's, how's the look and feel? 
and then taking those requirements and not solutioning for the business, but taking those things and those core ideas and saying, Hey, you know, developers, this is what they want. This is kind of the look and feel. I know you guys are the experts. You take it from here and go, mm-hmm. and I'll try to, I'll fill in the blanks and fill in the gaps in between. Um, so you're, you're like the steward, the data steward. That was it. That was it. Yeah. So, and, it, and I was working with all range of skill set and skill stacks. So I was working with, you know, back end, front end developers, designers, and then also um, the data people. And so I, I, working with all of them, I really kind of drew and was drawn towards the, uh, the data aspect. And so I got my master's and honed my skills a little bit in data science um, from UNC Charlotte. And yeah. then, uh, and was able to kind of slide into one of the, the engineer roles and then data science roles at my current consulting company. So. All right. So before we move on, I kind of want to get your take on, because this is like a raging debate is getting a master's degree in computer science or analytics was, it sounds like it worked out for you. Yeah. You think it was a good return on investment? So, so here's the thing. Here's the thing I tell people, right? Everything that I learned in my graduate degree, you can find for free online. Right. That's the, that's, yeah, that's like a very strong argument. It's all there. And I'll be honest, like I still use medium. I was just reading a medium article today on how the correct way to pie spark oversample and undersample, like, Everything's there and a lot more things are coming curated for you. The thing that I knew I needed from a graduate degree from higher education was the refinement as well as the, uh, I, I guess the ability to kind of keep me on task. So yeah, I didn't want to jump in to something that I knew would be over my head. I had to have things kind of step me to get there and focus on the right things rather than focusing on you know some weird subreddit that talked about data analytics that wouldn't actually get me anywhere in the real world. So that provided a really good foundation for me. And then, um, you know, that foundation of knowledge, of course, I still use to this day. So I, I don't, I don't regret it. Um, and I think other people are really good at understanding kind of the basics and maybe under, and then doing that on their own. Um, for me and my personality, I need to have that structure. So one thing that, so I have an MBA with concentration in analytics from mm-hmm. UNCG actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, I think one of the things that it did for me was it helped reframe who I was. Oh, interesting. Like, because I was a hundred percent sales, a hundred percent commission sales before I went back, went to go get that. And then all of a sudden I like redefined myself as a somewhat technical person. I'm like technical compared to the extremely non-technical people, but okay. like, like a, to data science, I, I'm essentially like a business analyst. That's kind of like where I fall within the spectrum. Sure. But I think that, I didn't necessarily need to get it, you know, spend two years and get a master's degree to com- have that reframe. Uh-huh. Um, Cause I think like, I just helped my friend Molly get her first entry level data science job. Oh, she nice. had zero. She, she didn't know any of the skills really, but what she did do in the interview was she, she explained to them how she changed her own breaks watching YouTube videos. And they're like, oh. oh, she has the ability to learn. So okay. like, I think that's, that's the argument is that, you could get paid to learn that skill set. Right. But right. if it's, but it's like hard to get to that. And it's also stressful. Cause like, I think one thing that I've kind of been watching is that she has been kind of under, under a lot of pressure. Currently to learn the skill set on the job. And yeah. it's like, yeah, you get, you get thrown into the fire at that point. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Well, first of all, congrats, Molly. I know that you were looking for it. So way to go and John and helping her get that. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, that does happen. And I think 
if, if you could kind of, uh, if we could call, talk to all the Mollies out there, I think there's always going to be things, especially in data science, where you're going to not know how to do things. And mm-hmm. um, it's really more of a culture conversation at that point is how good is the company or the business or organization or you know even team that you're working for? How good are they at understanding where you're at and then helping you to get there? If they expect you to kind of do it on your own, like it's nice that you've got a job and they're paying you money, but there are other places there that can help you build your skills and build you while putting you in, in situations that you can succeed. Yeah. And then we also just um, interviewed this guy who's uh, a BI developer at PlayStation. He went to like University of Southern California's data science boot camp. I think it was like a very quick program. And then they placed him and I, I think it was at Warner Brothers and then went to PlayStation. But I mean, he was like, they're in that, that, that bubble right there. Right. So, I mean, that network, that's one thing, like if, if uh, those who are listening, if you're thinking about getting a master's degree, look at the network that you're kind of getting into, because that's one of the biggest benefits there. I, I think so. And, and even if you're close to like analytics, right? So like <clears throat> if I was like an engineer, which I wasn't at the time, right? I was just on the business side. I didn't really have a skill set. I didn't know how to write a SQL query or anything. But if you are there um, and you're close to that data team, you don't maybe don't necessarily need to get some type of uh, you know degree or maybe a certification is more what you need. Um, mm-hmm. I had a I had one of the managers even say he's like, "Oh, <clears throat> what I could do is I could even provide you a list of courses or a list of things to start studying and do it in this order, and then you'll be able to to go and um, you know do that, and you might be able to supplement or even negate your need." Well, something that I'm okay. I'm I'm being a little selfish as the interviewer here. Uh, I'm thinking about launching an apprenticeship program. Okay. Because um, so for my capstone at Greensboro College, I bring the students on to work with my clients, mm-hmm. and then they 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 graduate with like actually having some real world experience and working with. Uh, last semester, last year, it was um, the president of a relatively large company and the CFO of a. I mean, it was a medium sized company, I would say. Sure. And then. Um, Christina, my, my former student, told me she was like, this is one of the most valuable experiences I had. Wow. It's like you, she actually had to go out and do the research. I mean, my my immediate impulse was to like hold their hands and like walk them through. It. And I was like, no, I need to I need to just push them out and make them do most of the grinding on that. Wow. Because it, that, that's how you build confidence, though, right? Just demonstrate yeah. performance. That's true. It's, it's probably it's hard to do. I'm a dad and I and it's hard for me to like say. <laughs> Hey kids, you go do that and not help them. So good for you for pushing them. All right. So okay. Let's get back to the main topic here at hand, which oh, okay. is right. how do you serve end users, either a manager or a client in your private consulting practice yep. in the analytics space? Like what does that look like? Or how do you think about it? So I first think um, of data science or actually probably like analytics in general as like a just a wide range of skill sets. And that's what mm-hmm. I, that's, that's one thing I loved. I, the reason I chose data was because I wanted to be able to have a skill set, a core skill set that could be applied to anything. And right, right. It's in the industry. Can. Yeah. It's any, multiple parts of a business. So it could be marketing, supply chain, finance. Yeah. And I mean, entertainment. I mean, anything, any, anything and anybody. Um, and I love that. Like I, I love going out and helping a bunch of different and a variety of different people. Um, and it's low overhead. Like I don't need to be an engineer and have to like buy a 3d printer to go build something for somebody. All I have to do is have a computer and know how to code. Or like $20,000 if you wanted to be a brewer or something. So you're yeah, a microbrewery. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, I could, I could own, yeah, I could own a brewery. I could own a restaurant and I could serve lots of people. Um, but 
it's a lot of overhead and um, I, I don't have that kind of capital currently. Um, so I see us as like data scientists, again, kind of like detectives or kind of like Batman. Like we have <laughs> just this, we have this utility belt and we have a, a, like so many batterings and bombs and tools and things like that, that we can throw at any problem that somebody throws at us and it's only going to get bigger. Right. So going back to Molly, like she might only know a few skill sets. Um, your skill sets are going to grow and you're going to be able to like soon apply a bunch of different tools to all these different problems. So the, the question isn't like, Oh, Hey, what tool am I going to use or what skill set or analytic or model am I going to try to throw at this? Like you can figure that out. The question is always, what is it that the customer really wants? And it's net, and I would say, I can't say never, but 90% of the time, it's not what they think they need. I was just having this conversation with, um, so Naveed is, he, he participated. We, we did kind of like this open data challenge where, yeah. um, I launched my own learning platform and then just opened the data sources up to people okay. and then live stream half my cor- um, lectures this semester. Okay. And then like w- one of them, we did a finance data challenge. It was like, here's my financial data, build out a model. And he went and did a linear regression. Turns yeah. out he is um, a business intelligence like data doctor at Truist, which Truist oh. is SunTrust and BB&T combined. And now they're the world's sixth largest bank. He actually came over and we were hanging out last night and he was talking about how like, for example, like something, how, how he could advise someone on improving the way that they're approaching the problem, which is tough in a corporate setting. I think we have the advantage when you're consulting because you're paid much higher than, you know, someone who's, you know, a what salaried employee and you're only there for a short amount of time. So you're seen as like right. the de facto expert. Right. But, but yeah, I think also too, what I wanted to point out, I think you had an advantage in that you started out as a business analyst. Cause I think a lot of data scientists, they're steeped in code and numbers. And it's like, they see everything like that engineering mindset. And it's like, engineering should plug into the business at some point or somehow a hundred percent. And that's, that was the conversation always when I was a business analyst is like it always wanted to like drive the requirements. They always wanted to drive what would happen, but that shouldn't be the case, right? Like it should always be the business saying what they want to happen. And that's, that's fine. Right? Like we are as, as like the it program, we're just the magic makers that can make the dreams happen. Sometimes we have Mm -hmm. to talk people down and make things realistic, but you know, it's fun to be able to say, oh, hey, like, here's a problem, fix it. And that's all we that's all we want, right? We just want a problem and then we can we can fix it. But you got to know the problem first. Right. Well, I think that like, okay, so in that new interest sequence, like I've, I've kind of like laid out, okay, the, the, the core tenets of getting an analytics job, it's three things. Number one is business acumen. And I think that is overlooked by so many people. You need to understand how at least some part of business works. Cause like if you're plugging into marketing or sales or supply chain, you get, you've got to understand the game that's being played, then develop the relevant hard skills. And then also to the personal brand. So building out a portfolio, being active on LinkedIn. I think those three things is, is what's going to get you your next opportunity, whether it's your first one or a promotion. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And, and you have to be able to talk to people about real things because <clears throat> believe it or not, other people don't underst- understand data the way you understand data. And so right. if you go and talk to them and be like, hey, you do you want me to run a regression on this? Or, you know, I can I can do this quick analysis. They're going to be like, I don't know what you're saying. I don't, and be based on this conversation, I don't think I'm going to know what you're saying. 
So I'm not going to even engage in any type of relationship with you. Um, yeah. So you have to take a step back and you have to, you have to treat people and, and accept them where they are. So like, for example, one of my first projects I did, and this was actually like um, in grad school, my um, practicum that I had to do, um, my wife and I were travel agents at the time. So mm. I talked to the owner of the agency and I was like, Hey, like I, I got to do this. And it was my first like taste of doing my own consultancy um, on my own. I was like, I got to do this thing. Can I, can I just do a project for you and I'll look at your data. And so, um, and she's like, sure. Like, what do you want to do? So I was like, well, just tell me again, I had the BA mindset already. So I kicked that in and I said, just kind of tell me some pain points that you're having. And she, the, the pain point that she gave me is that she didn't have any idea where her marketing was going. Like she was doing a bunch of different marketing tactics. Attribution is so tough. She had no idea. Right? Yeah. And, she, and she was doing so many different things. Like she was, she was doing car wraps um, and she was doing advertisements at the beginning of movies um, at those previews. She was um, doing Facebook and I think she was doing like email. She's like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what, what I'm doing and uh, I don't know where people are coming from. And so I was like, well, are you capturing any of that like information? And she's like, no. And I was like, okay, perfect. So like, I was like, how are you, like, if I, if she's not capturing anything, but she wants to know how her marketing is going, like, how am I supposed to be able to do this? Right. But her main question again is, is marketing. But behind that was, okay, what am I marketing is, is that business projecting itself to the public? Right. So because we had conversations about how she was and her business was projecting business to the public, I was able to show her how she was doing that through data. And so. Interesting. So I have questions. Okay, good. Yeah, I can keep. Yeah, go okay. ahead. So um, it sounds like a data governance issue. Partly it was. Yep. Or was it just that she didn't know that the, the data was being tracked? Like for a car wrap, that's like a billboard. It's like, unless you're sending them to like a URL to sign up, you can't yeah. track that really. Right. And that's, that's um, what I told them. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. All right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So you're spot on. So like, and it, and it was, I was like, Hey, listen, like you could have a QR code, but you probably don't have a QR code for a car wrap, but you could have like a discount code on the car. Right. And yeah. then, or like a, like a tiny URL, like a bit URL or a lead URL from that's a car wrap specific one. So that way, you know, is that the thing like where you can put your camera up to it and then I'll take you to a, like a link on so your that, phone. So the QR codes will will do that, but then like the little bit URLs, they're actually like uh, like you can add it's a it's a hidden URL behind the scenes, but you can mask it with make it look fancy. So like you could have whatever is travelagency.com slash car wrap, but mm -hmm. that but that slash car wrap all it does is just take you to your homepage, right? Right, but but then you could go on the on Google Analytics and see like all right, what is the what is the traffic? What's the demographic? Because yeah, I mean, exactly right. the implications with marketing, it's like, yeah, if it could be seen as this black box of like, I put money in, I put a dollar in and I get $2 back and I'm happy with that. Mm -hmm. But eventually that's going to break because that's like not going to, then once it's like, all right, well now we're, we're putting a dollar in, we get 75 cents back. So we're actually losing money at this point. Okay. Let's refine it. Maybe we should focus on men instead of women. Maybe there's a certain time of day. You know, maybe there's a specific product like Pareto's principle. This one mm -hmm. product is doing 80% of the sales. So let's right. go push this one out. Exactly. Exactly. And so it's, it's funny you brought that up, right? So like after I did, I did kind of like a whole analysis. I was like, hey, you know, 
capture these things on your website even. But another thing that I said, I started doing, I was like, okay, since you don't have that, here's an idea. Here's a map of like your customer journey. I even mapped that out with data and showed them like the steps their customers have to take. And I think it was like on their website. Yep. On their website. And, and like through emails, I was like, wait, do you want, do you want to take a look? So I can pull up my Google analytics from my website and we can look at um, the customer journey if you want. I mean, I don't know. Is that getting like, one thing that I'm trying to do on the podcast is make it like hyper specific and relevant so people can like, so we're abstractly talking about this concept, but what I could do is just flip up my Google analytics. Are you well-versed with it? Like, cause I'm not, I'm not, but I have something else I think we can show in just a second. Okay. Here, let me just, but if you want to talking, let me pull up my analytics. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So the second thing I did, I was like, okay, how are they broadcasting themselves out? So what I started doing was look at their Facebook and, and their messages and their posts that the business itself was posting out. And so I was able to grab all of their posts for the last, you know, however long time because they gave me access to it. And then I was like, okay, how am I going to know what people really interact with? And so I, I measured their, the likes and the comments and the shares that they got. Cause at that time it was just those, those likes, comments and shares. And I added them all together. And then I did, um, uh, a text analysis on all the phrases and did a keyword analysis on all the phrases and mm. then, um, did topic analysis. And I said, okay, what are the key topics that this company is talking about? And I pulled out six key topics and then because I, you know, the, the key topic analysis can also predict, it predicted every single post, what topic that is, was associated to. So I got a list of not only, I got, I was able to graph not only how many or how often it was that conversation or that topic was talked about, but then also how engaging it was with the customers. Wow. So yeah. like you said, that, that Pareto's principle, what they were talking about um, the majority of the time was one of the least engaged with items. And the thing that they were, uh, the thing that was most engaged with by their, you know, you, uh, Facebook users was the thing they were least talking about. And I was able to show them and say, listen, what you think people like, they don't like. So st- don't talk about this anymore. You need to talk about this other thing because this is what they're really engaging with. We're going to take a quick pause from the episode so that I can give you some more information about our career services program. Over the last four years, I have developed a very effective approach to teaching the foundations of analytics. And I've taken that same curriculum from my case studies and business analytics class at Greensboro College and turned it into a career services program. So if you've ever thought to yourself as you're listening to this podcast, man, John David students are really lucky. You can have a very similar experience to them. Just check the link in the description down below. My career services program offers you an analytics foundations curriculum. So this will shore up any gaps in knowledge that you might have in landing either a promotion or maybe even your very first analytics job. And then you get to work one-on-one with me to help build your personal brand. So we will look at your resume and also help you develop a customized portfolio. All right, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, well, it's like, um, I would call that psychographic data. Yeah. That's kind of like the frame that I would wrap that around. Okay. But so, okay, so here's kind of, uh, would you call this, so this is the payroll flow chart within Google Analytics. Oh, that's great. Is yeah. this kind of, um, 
I mean, so right now, like the, the platform we've built, it's like we're passively making sales through like people will click a link on like a YouTube video. And it's like I'm building up the sales funnel now. So it's like not mm -hmm. a huge amount of traffic. But is this kind of this is kind of like the the what, what did you call it? A uh, customer journey, right? Yeah, customer journey. Yeah. So let's see if we can interpret this. So like, all right, what this is saying is that people are going directly to learn.silvertone.com. So we got over the past week, we've had 30 people just type that in, then they <clears> click <throat> all courses. Then they, what's weird is they go back to the homepage. Um, and, all right. I'm, see, I'm still learning this. That was good. I, and yeah, this is a, this is a and, new UI for me, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think this is just like making the content int more interesting. Sure. So yeah, so people will go back to the homepage and then click back. Oh, okay, so there's, it's it's interesting, yeah. So there, what this is telling me, all right, let me, let me try to interpret this. So, yeah. okay, last week we had 30 visitors click, just manually type in our website. Okay. Of, of those 30 people, 14 went to our courses, which I think is not a bad, I mean, that's 50% right there. That's not like, that's a yeah. pretty no, that's good. Click through rate, right? I've yeah, people getting off your homepage, home. like people getting off your homepage, is big. So that's awesome. right. And then what's weird is that half of them go back to the um, homepage. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I, I what, if you think if you think about it, whenever I go into a web page, like if I if I go, I always want to navigate back because sometimes tools and and like uh, links are not there. So I don't know what you're. I haven't been on this this site, but it's easy uh, to go back and say. Hey, let's let me go. Let me go back where I want to go. All right. So this is this is the yeah. We can actually like go through the customer journeys. It. So yep. what they're doing is they're coming to the homepage. Um, yeah. Since we're live streaming, I think it's going a little bit slow. But yeah, here here's the platform, right here, which I mean it's looking reasonably mm -hmm. polished at this point. Um, I actually just hired a developer oh, uh, to help me optimize. But so they're clicking all courses. Which I think is just going to, yeah, it takes them to this page here. So we're actually building on a couple more courses here, but it's interesting. So they see these courses and I mean, I'm a little bit disappointed. I thought more of them would click on an individual course. Well, okay. This is interesting. So people will get 30 people came to the homepage. Half of them went to all courses and then four of the 14 went to the marketing course. So that's like... That's kind of giving us a signal that all right. I mean, granted, these numbers are tiny; like they're not they're not huge. But we can let's it's look at some, them in relative. Yeah, yeah. So, so people can come and say like, all right, well, I mean, four of fourteen. That's, I mean, that's not bad. It's like what thirty percent. Yeah. No. Yeah. Let's click on that. that. Yeah. So yeah, that's not that's not terrible. Mm -mm. But um, yeah. Okay. So this is, I and part of the reason why I want to pull this up is just like understanding it myself. So this is the customer yeah. journey. Yeah. And this gives me, well, okay. Let me throw this question at you. Like what, what does this tell us? What can we get? What can we mine out of this behavioral flow chart for insights? I mean, so there's, there's tons of things that you can start looking at. Right. So like, again, so I'll, I'll ask you, what are some things that you want to look at to improve your site? What is a goal that you have for your site? That's to make money. That's okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's fine. So make money and you make money only on your courses. Is that right? Correct. So anything. And if you, so you want to guide people just to your all courses, is that, that's the right. page, right? Right. So if you, if your main goal is to drive people to your courses, 
it, how many people it looks like are going to your actual courses page based upon this flow? It looks about, about 50% of the people who are landing on the website are clicking there. Okay. So we could so right? we, I, I think so. The view's a little distorted on my end. Um, but yeah, it looks like okay. Um, here, let me see if I can I can maximize this so you might be able to see a little bit better. Let me see that better. That does help. Yeah. Um, so wait, I think I can click on these and then it'll highlight highlight traffic through here. Oh, there you go. Okay. Oh, okay. So I interpreted this wrong. So what this is saying is thirty people came to the home page. Of those thirty people, five people clicked on all courses. That seems a little bit more. That sounds a little bit more accurate. Mm -hmm. It's like having a 50% click-through rate is extremely high. Oh, awesome. Paula, welcome. Hey, Paul. <laughs> so, okay, so five of 30, I mean, that's what? Five times six is 30, so that's... Man, I'm really bad so, at like back napkin math. <laughs> that's, that's why we have programs that do this math for us. Right, so, right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's a decent percentage right there. I mean, it's not, what, 20%? It's, it's not zero. It's not zero, yeah. Yeah. And then of those people, of those five, two of the five went back to the homepage. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, that's interesting. All right. So 30, so five went there and then seven went, I guess that's like the miscellaneous. Yeah. 19 more pages. Is that what that means? If you're that seven. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that's, that's a lot. But yeah, I mean, so this is, is this the kind of, how did you visualize the behavior, the customer journey to your client? Was it something like this? Because so this they is didn't, just like a built out template in Google Analytics. So they didn't, so the, the travel agency didn't have anything like this. Um, in fact, you know, I was working with their developer and the, their developer couldn't even get me access to their Google Analytics for some reason. Oh, because you so, got to install the pixel. Well, there, well. That was, yeah, we didn't, they didn't even have Facebook pixel. So there was a lot of things that were kind of broken down. So these are recommendations that I gave them. So what I did is what I recommend somebody does with any company they own, right. Or, or have, I pretended I was a customer and I went to try to engage them in hmm. getting a, getting a quote for a, um, for a trip. So I went on their Facebook page and when they said, Hey, you know, contact us, they had no hyperlink. They had their email just there that. And so what I had to do is I had to like copy and paste. I had to copy their email out of Facebook post. I had to go to my email. I had to paste their, paste their email. I had to then input all my, my information there, what I wanted. And by that time I was like, I'm doing this for my customer. I don't even want to do this anymore. Like I got to really be engaged. Like how many clicks is that? That's, so like to copy and then paste and then open my email and then paste their email and then write stuff down, which is like, you know, a bunch of other clicks and then finally click send were probably over, you know, 10 to 20 clicks. And you want to be like, you want to reduce as much friction as possible. And they were, and that you, so you want to be right. like in the three to four click range. And so even on their website, it took about five to six clicks to get to any contact us information and so I told him, I was like, you have a lot of friction here and you want to reduce this friction as much as possible because you're losing people. And what we probably would have seen is we probably would have seen people on that customer journey. They get to the homepage, they click around probably some random pages, and then they leave because they can't figure find what they want. Right. 
So yeah, so that's kind of where as a data professional, you need to be empathetic to, well, it was, what's interesting is like, I, I call it business acumen, but the, in this situation, from a marketing standpoint, it's like, what is the, what is the potential buyer experiencing? So that's like user experience. So you yeah. want it to be, I mean, in the way that the kind of the space that I'm in and like this um, online learning space, the, the general um, wisdom is give away like 90% of your content and then paywall 10%. Yep. And then you, you build up that um, reciprocity where it's like, you've already helped me so much. Let me give back to you. Right. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's really interesting about the friction. Cause yeah, the last thing that you want to do is say someone comes in to like my, my funnel or my like digital footprint and it has a really frustrating experience with me. They're not going to like me. No, no. Yeah, they're they're, and, they're, and, and that, and that translates like they're not going to like your brand. They're not going to like your products and right. they're not going to engage with you and they're not going to recommend you later. True. But if they're, if you're really easy to contact, like if you're really easy to talk to online or if, you know, even in person, like if you're really easy to talk to, which means low clicks and low friction, I can, I can ask you exactly what I want immediately. It's going to be actually more fun to talk to you. So like, if you think about websites that you've been on, if you go to the, like the DMV, it's actually not that terrible experience because now they have this cool chat bot that makes it really easy to, you know, register your cars, at least in North Carolina. If anybody else is listening, you don't have that. I'm sorry. North Carolina is kind of, yeah. I was about to say the DMV has been a nightmare experience. I mean, it's like oh, no. a running joke for most people. Right. Right. Yeah. But they've, they've somehow on this, on this thing, right. It's not a chat bot. It's a, it's a workflow. Uh, to to renew your car registration, super seamless. Like it really does mm -hmm. take about five minutes to do. But then there's other really cumbersome things that you that you have to do. So like uh, I'm trying to think of another website that's really cumbersome, but I've probably blocked it out because it is so cumbersome. But like, um, you know, there's I I'm sure there's other parts. Actually, we'll go to the DMV again. So like to renew my registration, really easy. But I sold a car and I tried to transfer the title. Um, there was no easy way for me to transfer the title. And there's mm -hmm. two, they have two websites that tell me different information about my title. That one was, it was removed. The other one, the title was still um, according on my name. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. How do I contact somebody? And I had to open up probably and download four or five PDFs to figure out the right um, information and the right form to fill out. Finally, I just called somebody. Turns out the form that all the PDFs said were totally wrong. And what they said was, was the right one mess. It's a mess, right? <laughs> the DMV yeah. is purposely making it hard to do business with them in that. You know why? Tell me why. That's a, they're monopoly. Is that they're, they're the they only have, shop. They don't town. have to. They don't have yeah. to. Yeah, that's exactly right. It, this is making me think of, um, I think I can, I think I can explain it. I think I can say this out loud. Well, okay. Let, let me, let me be, let me, um, I guess for the sake of privacy, there is a very large um, player in the educational content space. Okay. And when I was a professor, I had to facilitate an Excel class and okay. the UI on their product offering. Like basically I had to just facilitate students taking an online Excel class through one of these, like, mm -hmm. I mean, it's a name brand, like educational content producer. Okay. Their UI was terrible. Yeah, I mean, it was like if you hit tab but not enter, it would throw back a res wrong response. 
and there was no video. It was all like you would read the book and then have to like it was. But I mean, they have essentially a, a monopoly because they've got the distribution through all the major universities. Yeah, because they are the ones in that space. So like, what, why improve your product design if if there's no uh, there's no threat to competition? Although, yeah. I mean, we could get into a whole conversation about like what education is going to look like, what education is already looking like in 2021. Right. Right. Because I mean, I, I do wonder about like, I actually just had this conversation with um, Shashat Kalanithi, who's um, his YouTube channel is just blown up. I think he's just hit like 30,000 um, mm. followers. Wow. And he was talking about how like, yeah, all this stuff's for free online. So I, I guess yeah. higher education has that, the freemium, the YouTube experience, you know, I mean, it's, it's not like you said, there's no accountability and there's no guidance, Yeah. but I mean, yeah, I mean, you can get, you can learn all this stuff for free now, which is wild. You really can. It's the, it's that curated aspect. And yeah, I, I think, uh, I think a lot more opportunities are coming and, and I think as more freedom is opened up, um, it allows people to kind of do what they want and, all right all right so we got a question from one of the uh, viewers here so a question from home of the obsessed in a financial institution corporation i've come across uh job titles that aren't straightforward when identifying data science positions how do you identify between data analyst and data scientist that's a good question and uh well john i don't know if you have a an answer to that. So I'm not a data scientist. Like it's, it's, it's outside of my kind of pale of existence. Like, I don't, I don't know. So it's data science is like the new girl on the, in school, right? Like it's Mm. everybody wants a data scientist. And so when they throw this out there, we'll just, I, I guess to sum it all up, home of obsessed, they might not know what a data scientist is either. Right. They'll just they'll just say, oh, we, we need a data scientist. You know, we probably need three data scientists for what we're doing. And really what they need is probably just somebody who knows how to use Tableau. <laughs> right. Like right. Data, data science is a very sophisticated and a very broad way of saying it. It's like it's like the government saying, hey, I need an engineer. Throw, throw, an, throw an engineer at me. And, you know, you could get a civil. You could get an industrial. You could get right. a rocket engineer. But they're just saying, hey, I need an engineer. Data science is almost the same thing. Like. Do you really need somebody who can run machine learning models? Or do you need somebody who will build a chat bot that's predictive? Do you need somebody that's going to be able to, you know, actually make some type of self-driving or, you know, AI, uh, you know, figure or model or thing? Or do you want somebody who can just do neural networks or somebody who's really focused on doing videos or photos? It's a wide range. Or do you just want somebody who can, who's really maybe just a data engineer that can connect these dots for you? Um, I would, if I was ever in that conversation, um, talk to them about what they need. And this is just like talking to a customer, talk to the business and say, what problems are you trying to solve? Because I have a tool set here and you say data scientist, but what it sounds like is you need a, a BI developer. So, so I think this is before you're even talking to them. So, okay. Now that I'm like kind of digesting this a little bit, I think yeah the difference between data analysts and data scientists and Ben, correct me if, if I'm wrong on this is level of coding. Like a, a BI developer knows like a sprinkle of SQL. 
maybe can like can well or or no SQL and that you can connect to databases and you can create um, calculated fields within Tableau to where a data scientist might know Python, where you can do quite a bit more statistically and then also just conceptually. Like you, like, I don't, I don't know much about like an interact or a predictive chatbot, but that sounds like data science territory versus business. A business analyst might say, Hey, Susie in the sales department, is losing a bunch of traffic on the website. I think we need a we need to, to mitigate this. And then you, as a, as the business analyst, might say, "Well, it sounds like a chatbot might be a solution." And then you bring it to the data scientist, who then implements it. Yeah. I, so I think that might be a good way to, to kind of filter through. It says if it says like high level of coding skills, then maybe they're probably leaning more towards you know data science. If there's things in there that talk about like predictive um, models, machine learning. It's more of a data scientist role. Um, right. but if, but if the position title just says, Hey, we need somebody to, you know, help us forecast or, uh, report on, you know, previous, uh, business operations, it's probably more of a data analyst role. Yeah. That makes total sense. Okay. So let's, let's circle back to the, the topic at hand here. Were there any growing pains that you experienced, um, when dealing with, clients or even managers kind of in the space like was there was there a problem where you're like i just can't communicate what i'm trying to or they don't get it or like we're just not i I don't understand for example like all the jargon around kpis and all the acronyms and all that a data scientist might not understand that or just has a different set of them yeah so and, and so you're talking about like um as the it person being able to talk to the business and try right. to understand what their needs are. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, that, that happens like all the time. And I think one of the, the main issues happens when the business is trying to talk to the IT in the IT words, right? Cause then they'll start throwing oh. out random things and say, Hey, did you run a regression on this? And, and in your head, you're like, I did not run a regression on this because you wanted me to just create a, a, a map for you. Or you wanted me to like, you know, create like a visual and a, and just a heat map. So you, you really have to take as the, as the IT person or as the data scientist, as the analyst talk, if you don't have a BA to help you there, um, that you have to talk to them and say, what is it that you're trying to achieve? And I think one of the best parts is, um, you know, what, what, if you could get them to like paint a picture or even draw it out, like what they want. So that's, so, and that's something that I did um, recently. I was talking um, to one of the one of the business people, um, actually my manager, and he was asking me about the right way to curate a data set. And he's like, "Should I do it? Should I do it this way?" And he was all just typing it out, or should I do it this way? And I was like, uh, "Let me let me draw it out." So I literally within our chat drew out a table, and I said, "Is this the way that you're talking about?" Mm-hmm. And he said, "Oh no, I want it the other way." And I was like, "Okay, that makes a whole lot more sense." So the fact that you don't want this, then yes, like let's do it the other way. So, so it's the the term that's coming to mind is active listening. Yep. Yeah, I think active listening um, and participating and and seeing it in their eyes. Right. Be- because once you understand like a use case, once you understand the problem, again, you have this tool belt that you can throw anything at it, and a lot of things that they don't know about, you can throw at it. Um, but the thing you're always going back to their main idea of what they really want to accomplish. All right. So now we're starting to bump into the territory of 
I feel like I use this word too much and I feel like people are probably annoyed by it at this point. Uh, You're influencing the business. Mm. I think that is one of the number one skills that's that people in this space don't have. Like they're super nerdy and geeky and they lose people. And like you mm. said, it's like going and throwing all these like acronyms that they have no idea. They're just, it's just repellent. But like really? what, what you, what's interesting is what you did in that conversation is when you drew it out, um, you gave, you conceptualize it very concretely in ways, in a way that they can understand. So I think that that's, right. then you, and then you influenced, well, I guess in that situation, you didn't influence as, as much as that was more of just active listening, but like, do you have any tips or strategies on how to it? For example, like, let's say that the business owner wants a pie chart and there's mm -hmm. like 18 different SKUs that they're trying to visualize. Oh, how yeah. would you explain it to me? Let's say I'm role playing as a business owner. What, why is like, what would you say if I were like, Hey Ben, I really want to visualize, you know, our, this assortment, we have 18 SKUs. I think a pie chart's a good idea. How would you, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot and we're role playing here a little bit, but You're like, good. no, it's fine. How would you convince me that that's not a good idea? Like what, what, what would you do? I, so there's two different ways I would approach it. Okay. Right. So, so the first one would be like, if we're sitting down and having a conversation about the pie chart, I would say, you'd, I, I, would, I would go back and said, oh yeah, you're trying to visualize all these different SKUs. What is it about the SKUs that you want to see? You want to see how often they're bought? Do you want to see who is buying them? Do you want to see like, you know, different, you know, demographics of the SKUs? You know, what, what is it about the SKUs? And then you, I, I just want you to story tell to me, right? I want you to, I want you to verbally uh, draw it out for me. And even if you wanted to draw it out and say, no, this is, this is the look and feel. When I open up my dashboard, this is how I want, I want this information presented to me. And then I'll say, great, I got an idea. I'll come back. If this is over email, like, and you sent that information to me, I would, I would make you a pie chart. And I, and then, but then, <laughs> but then, I, and then I would make another, another graph that I think is more applicable to the situation. And then I would say, Hey, here's your pie chart. Does this look right? If it doesn't, Hey, I got this other thing. What do you think about this other thing? And this other thing is going to be meet their needs a lot. Better. Okay. I think, all right. What, what we're getting on here is I'm reflecting back on like my own journey kind of from, yeah. Um, I, so I turned my, inter my last internship into my first consulting client. And in that client, I was kind of like an order taker, like they would conceptualize it and then I would just execute. Yeah. But slowly I got into a position where they started saying, Hey, John David, here's what we want to do. What is your advice? And then you, you go from the position of order taker to consultant or advisor, like you're advising people on how to proceed. I think like what you, you hit on where it's like you showed them here's what you ask for. And that's fine. If that's what you want, here's another option that I, I don't know if you're aware of, mm -hmm. but I think you got to be a little bit ginger in the touch there. Cause you don't want to come off as like a lot of these people have egos and you got to manage, especially like executives. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of these executives, they've gotten to the position that they're in because they're very disagreeable and they have a very strong belief in themselves. So right. like, I mean, the, the, the best example of this is I used to, I had the uh, former CFO of Wrangler Jeans on a finance committee I worked on, the nonprofit. Yeah. He was so disagreeable and so like, just so sharp, but he was hilarious. So it was like, it kind of balanced out. But seeing him around like these like very kumbaya nonprofit folks was hilarious. Oh man. Yeah, no, I can't, I can't imagine uh, 
the conversations that would happen within that. But no, I think that that's something that um, a lot of a lot of people in the analytics or data space are completely stumped by. Like, how do I handle and manage these people? Because it's like yeah. that's not an algorithm that I can quickly type out in the to code. It's like how do I unpack that? And I yeah. and I, I think that's we've talked about it quite a bit on the podcast, and I'm hoping that like this is starting to help people conceptualize it a little differently. But what you did was a great example of how to handle people. It's like there's a little bit of finesse there. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to come up and be like, "Wow, a pie chart. This is a terrible idea. Doesn't it look awful? Like, wow. Like, why are you even designing like reports? Like, you, I'll take your yeah. job. You sit. Yeah, back, stay in your know. lane, dude. Yeah, for real. You, yeah, probably not the best way to approach it. Um, and you could, you want to come up and be, and you can even make it seem like their idea, which is probably the most fun. Where you're like, hey, like here's this pie chart, or you know what? I like, I just messed around. What do you think about this? And they're like, oh, I really like that. And be like, yeah, this is kind of what you were talking about. This is exactly right. what you were saying. Like, this is this is it right here. Like, yeah, why don't you take it and like show other people what they think about your idea? And then be like, yeah, it was my idea. Yeah, it did really good. And it doesn't matter because that means they're going to come to you later and ask you for more information and ask you to do more things because you made them look good, whether it's conscious or subconscious. Right. Well, then you're if you're making them look good, then there's some trust that's developed there. Right. Um, so I was talking to, um, uh, I was talking to someone who's like a, a senior analyst at Amazon, and they were talking mm -hmm. about like hiring and what what they think about. One of the biggest things that they think they worry about is is a person that I'm hiring going to make me look foolish in the future? Mm -hmm. They're not necessarily optimizing on is this the best Python developer? Is this the best person for you know I don't know visualization or eye for design? It's like are they dependable and can I trust them? And do I like them? I think people over optimize on like these, these hard skills. Oh, well, I think, I think if you can, as a, as a professional capitalize and improve your emotional intelligence, mm. like the hard stuff and like, or I guess the hard skills, those are going to come. Like you'll learn those, right? Like going back to Molly, like that company realized that she had the emotional intelligence and the soft skills that were needed. And then she was going to be able to learn like all the hard skills like that. Like you can learn one plus one. It's really hard to learn. You can, it's hard to learn. Hey, how can I help you? How can I serve Right. You? Yeah, that's true. Interesting. Uh, talk more about what do you mean when you say emotional intelligence? Glad you brought that. Up. I actually have. So somebody got this book, emotional intelligence. Oh. Um, so <laughs> there's like, yeah. So uh, let's see if I, uh, there is a graph in here that they gave, but there's like four aspects to social or emotional intelligence. Um, and I don't know if I'll be able to find it, but you can score yourself on um, this scale of emotional intelligence, but it's basically like a personal and a social type of emotional intelligence where you understand how you're coming across in a crowd or in a group. And then also you understand your own feelings. Um, so and this kind of goes into the standpoint of like, you know, are you doing a lot of self-care? Are you doing a lot of maybe meditation to understand how you're feeling and the why you're feeling certain things? But then also, you, you know, are you that guy in the boardroom who is on the nonprofit? He could, even though he was maybe coming across a little more forward um, than all the nonprofit people, um, the key point is, did he understand where he was? And he can still be kind of the the gritty or kind of peppery guy and throw jabs here and there. But 
does he know when enough is enough? And that's, that's kind of the emotion intelligence there. And then also, you know, do you know enough about yourself that if somebody says, Hey, I don't like your work. Are, are you secure enough to be like, you know what? That person doesn't like my work, but I'm doing a good job because of X, Y, and Z. Like, do you have that emotional intelligence and self, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was okay. So multiple things here. What's interesting from my perspective is that like, I am hyper aware of the brand that I'm projecting out on the internet. Yeah. Which is, it's like weird in that like, we just, I just cut the new um, intro sequence and I was like, all right, what are the core tenets of what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people haven't, it's like, they haven't really done the self-reflection of like, all right, who am I and how do I plug into the economy? Like where, where is, where, where it's like the overlapping circles, like, well, what am I good at? And what can I get paid for? And then right. like find that to where like yeah. essentially like my value stack is that I am fluent in data ish. Like I, I, I can talk to people who are coders about coding, yeah. but then I also have the gift of gab where I can talk about it, talk about the business and how data plugs into that. And then also I've got this platform that I can broadcast it out, right? which is, which is interesting, but I'm very, I wouldn't say self-conscious. I'm very cognizant of like what I say and how I say it too. Cause I, another thing that I, I, I worry about or not necessarily worry about, but I am conscious of is I don't want to come off as a know-it-all. It's, it's kind of like the, the tone of this podcast is like, Hey, I'm talking to Ben. Ben knows something that I don't know. And yeah. he may actually change my worldview or my, my opinion on something. Mm-hmm. And it's like people, people are like learning with me. It's weird because I'm starting to do like in-person meetups and these people who yeah. have like listened to like 150 hours of my podcast That's awesome. are like, I, and I'm meeting them for the first time. It's like, man, this is, this is really wild, but okay. Yeah, actually sure. something that I wanted to, to run by you is I'm thinking about starting a meetup in Greensboro. Yeah. And this, this may be not a good idea. We're kind of, we're, we're shopping the idea of like data doctor, where it's like, yeah. hey, once a month we'll meet at this co-working space for two or three hours. Um, Ben's going to come in and he's going to talk about machine learning or some type of portfolio piece that he's going to present. And then here's the data for it if you guys want to follow along. And then like kind of put an o- put your own spin on his work. So you have a portfolio piece. Mm. And then the next like hour is going to be if you have any problems with your data, here's how you can anonymize it. Or should we get an NDA in place? And it's like, we're going to just um, help each other. I love it. Yeah. What's your, what's your main goal to achieve that? Like, or what's your, I guess I should say, what's your main goal um, that you want to have accomplished when you do that? Um, so I think we could get some support from like local nonprofits and maybe even the chamber. Um, one of the major problems in Greensboro is that there's flight of tech talent. So uh, what we're trying to do is build a scene within Greensboro because like we have a scene here. Like, I mean, we have like an active live chat there. I mean, we've talked to people from Amazon, Google, Facebook, like all these, this is online, yeah. like bringing it on person. And then, um, I mean, I think I've already talked to the Dean at Greensboro college. I think they'd be open to sponsoring it because it's an opportunity for students to interact with like the business owners and then also the data professionals who are coming in. So it's kind of yeah. like a, it's just like a hang, but it's like we're also doing something active together. This incubator for not only business, but also professionals as well. Right. Well, I mean, I guess the only hitch that I'm thinking is like 
what's the liability of people bringing their data? Maybe, maybe they can anonymize it. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, you could even go on Google, on Kaggle, right. And like pull some data and just invite business professionals and say, Hey, this is, this is something that happens in your industry. Look at the things that we can do with it. You know? Yeah. But I mean, also too, I think it's an opportunity for us to like have like, I mean, I could even potentially see us like flying out like our guests, like Shashank's in Seattle. I mean, yeah. like if, if we could, if we all chipped in, say we have 15 people there, it's like 10 bucks to get him a flight to come. And then he gets to be like the celebrity for the night. You could be the celebrity for the night. And then um, yeah. it's like you're, you're, you're getting to make connections with people in person. Because so I think that's, yeah. this is nice because like I'm getting to talk to you long form and we're like really getting to know each other. But it's right. not the same as like, hey, let's have a beer together and, and yeah. talk or let's coffee or yeah, just be able to sit down and yeah, face to face. It does it does do a lot. Yeah, I totally agree. So I, I think if your main goal is to create a rapport and uh, you know increase maybe even some like public good and well being, like I think that's that's not a bad way right. to do it. Um, well, let's say subversively too. Also, like it would be a way for me to meet potential consulting clients, and then also uh, yeah, hundred percent maybe meet those future clients and people who would be interested in an apprenticeship. Because I think that that's like the way that education is heading. It's like the blue. It's like a trade school. I think that going, going back a, to trades. I think there could be a, tr- a data science or analytics trade school. Yeah, and I think that way. I mean, I guess that's what the boot camps is kind of filling right now. That's that's what we're seeing. I mean, even like uh, you know, like, again, going back to like interns now. Interns are coming in, maybe knowing a little bit about machine learning, but they don't know how to do it in the real world. So they'll just, you know, they're going to train them up. Businesses are starting to offer these types of you know, junior roles where mm-hmm. you learn from the seniors and then you build up. All right. Speaking of community, we've been bad. We, we need to, we're neglecting oh, the, the no. chat. <laughs> All right. So I want to assess with another, or well, I guess he's just following up. So I'm a lead analytics consultant and I consider myself a data analyst. I use SAS and SQL. I spent a lot of time with data cleaning and providing insight to the business using some predictive methods in SAS. Okay. So, I mean, it, it sounds like he's somewhat similar to kind of like where, well, Ben, I guess you're a little bit more on the data science. He's more on the data analyst side. Yeah, correct. Yep. Awesome. And then we got uh, Matt Braden, longtime friend and guest of the podcast here. So Matt's the VP of analytics out in um, California. Okay. So he was saying expanding on others, people work done right can work wonders. Yeah. That, that, yeah. that was like, I should have brought that in sooner. That was a comment That's from good. a while ago. Thanks, Matt. We should have. We should have yeah. <laughs> and Siam. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Siam. Let's see. What is what is Chris Chris Weaver saying? Is this for potential clients or for people breaking into the work side? I I think he's talking about like the data doc concept of like in person. Mm. I think the answer is both, right? Like the potential for. And then maybe this could even be like a way for students to get internships. Yeah. I think, I think you're just creating this, this tribe is what it sounds like. Right. If you go to like Seth Godin's tribes, like you're creating this tribe and this incubator where people get together and great things can come of it, you know, like everywhere from those who are interested and hesitant to, you know, experts are coming together and just, you know, talking data, right? People do that all the time with Pokemon cards. So why not data? (laughs) All right. So yeah. So Chris Weaver saying, I meant your idea. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I just like, even here locally, I I have just a bunch of people. I mean, what's wild is I'm starting to get recognized like at the gym and stuff for the podcast. There you go. Weird, but it's like, Hey, 
we're meeting up at, at this time this month come join us and it's like yeah i don't well i guess in charlotte it's a different you guys have a different problem you guys don't have that problem because like there's it's a huge because you're in charlotte right yep yeah correct because you guys have like a huge economy there it's mostly banking there right it's that's the majority that's yeah so that definitely takes it uh lowe's is also here so that's a big big factor um uh, but yeah, we have, and I, you know, the one I subscribe to the meetup that I go to, they're still virtual. Um, but I'm even trying to, I, I live South Charlotte. And so I'm trying to get a, a meetup started down here just with people, data who are interested in data. And, you know, I've, I've, there's a few like workout groups I'm a part of too. And, and the individuals that I meet there who are on the business side, they're like, I need to know more about data. Could this be a place that I could just be interested and, you know, just learn about what's going on so I could use it in my business. And I was like, yeah, sure. Come on down. So, well, I mean, part of the reason why I wanted to just talk to you about this idea is that, I mean, when we talked like what a month or two or three months ago, you were talking yeah. about like, yeah, you're, you're, you're thinking about getting more into public speaking as a way to, to like potentially round up some clients. Right. That's so that's what I'm finding is I, you know, I'm more than happy to just dive into people's data and uh, you know, help out there. But, what people are telling me is they're like, can you just come and talk to us about data? And I was like, I mean, I could, I can definitely do that. And I can talk about things. Um, I didn't have any idea that that would be a, a want or a desire for clients and customers. So, you know, every person I talk to um, two out of three are like, can you just come and talk to me um, and talk to my business about, about data and how it can help us. So that's a, that's a lot of things people want. Well, I think that public speaking, so this is like, man, this whole pandemic is just throwing everything upside down. <laughs> but back pre-pandemic, when you could actually meet in person, and I guess, I mean, North Carolina just lifted the mask mandate, so yeah, uh, I think this starting to open up tentatively. Um, I used to give a Tableau like 101 series at my co-working space, and that's how I met the CFO that I worked with for two years, who then was the um, consultant or was the client for my students to do their capstone project with. Okay. Okay. So I think it's like, um, I think the benefit, I mean, part of this, I'm, I'm just trying to articulate, like, could we have like some people who are like, like, for example, um, Christina Sathopoulos has talked about like, she, okay. I don't know if you know her. So she's a uh, consultant at Google. Okay. That sounds so, really cool. But yeah, no, no. Was, well, she's amazing. So she moved, she went to NC state, I think for a master's in data science and then went to yeah. Barcelona and is now in New York but she's wow. from North Carolina. So okay. like next time she's around, it's like, yeah, just come in and talk. And I think people would love that. And plus it's like, she's got, I think she's got something like 20, 30,000 LinkedIn followers. So like, yeah. and, and I don't think a lot of these people are in person, like they, they haven't had the in-person, like, Hey, these are people who's been following you for five years and they just want to talk to you. I mean, that's such a cool new, that's a new dynamic that I'm, I'm not, it's like micro celebrityism. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, that's that's something that's and maybe it happened before, but that's something I've kind of enjoyed out of the pandemic is is made the world a whole lot closer. And yeah, yeah. Before people were really in, kind of inaccessible, or at least more so. But now, I mean, I could reach out to anybody. Like with you, I just I saw your podcast and I reached out to you and just to have a like a one on one, and it was easy yeah. and natural. And the, you know, we had a conversation. We have and now we started like a network and a rapport. So um, right, right. That's, and that's easy now to do with anybody else um in the world and uh you know i can easily just say hey let's let's have just a quick one-on-one i just want to you know introduce myself and talk to you i have a couple questions about xyz and i've not been turned down yet yeah 
Well, I mean, I think it has this because I, I did reach out to someone who's got like 200,000 LinkedIn followers and didn't hear back. So <laughs> yet, yet. Oh, true. Yeah. True. So, yeah, well, I mean, just me and uh, Naveed have been workshopping this idea of like this, this in-person thing. Yeah. Because um, like I did run, I did co-run the um, Tableau user group in Greensboro for a few okay. years. Uh-huh. And I don't really like being tied to one specific product. And I also yeah. felt like I had to play by their rules too, which, I mean, I, I love Tableau. I mean, I, I built my whole consultancy around Tableau. So I'm, I'm, I'm nothing but grateful, but it's at the same time, it's like, I want to do my own thing. Like I want to do a hiring panel and have hiring managers come in and maybe we could do mock interviews or like whatever, like I, that, that wouldn't plug into the Tableau centric stuff. You know, maybe, maybe it could be the Tableau interview process. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think, uh, I think the more platform agnostic you are, I think the better off you'll be. So what, well, okay. We've been on all over these tangents. What's your, what is your tech stat? Yeah. So I am, um, I, I am on, in the Python camp. Um, I, so in, in grad school, everything was taught in SAS. And so I had to like find all the professors who would not teach in SAS because SAS is like really expensive. So I was like, I got to so find something. I, I feel like um, the companies that use SAS, I don't want to work. Well, I, I guess I don't even want to work for a company. I'm unemployable <laughs> in the first place. But like yeah. uh, SAS just doesn't seem as cool as like some of the other tools. Well, it's just it's expensive, and you know, to, to buy into it, and it's its own encapsulated platform. Whereas you know, you have these now software developer kits or SDKs available for not only R but Python, and then maybe even other languages coming up. Um, I mean, Google. It's, it's kind of wrapped into the Google's platform, but you can now perform machine learning algorithms within a SQL statement. So wow, I think it's now becoming a lot more available, but I knew that R was open source and nobody was teaching in Python. Um, so I started in R and then I moved to Python because I want, because I bought a bunch of Raspberry Pis and wanted to, you know, play around with those. Um, and, and now like uh, I do all my stuff in Python and, and PySpark because I work with quite a bit of data and I have to work on their Spark platform. Um, but, and so it's, so it's mainly, um, Python and spark is what I'm good at. And then, uh, I'm also a Microsoft guy. So I know a little bit of DAX when I do my calculations in power BI and stuff. So I was about to say, I've got a, I I'm building out a, ta- a power BI quick start course. And I have, I've got to take something that I like a, a nested or an if then statement in Tableau. And I've got to figure out how wow. to do it in DAX. Bless you. Which actually, you know what? I figured out how to do a quick calculation with it. So I don't even have to do that. Oh, if, well, there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just like I had to isolate the spin. So I had Facebook advertising spins and Amazon and I had to figure out how to isolate those two, which is like surprise. It's I am almost no code at this point. Almost. Well, and I'll, I'll say this to all the viewers out there who are interested in, in data science. It's going to get to that point really quick where it's going to be no code or no code. So low, low or no code. Right. And I would say I'm low code now. Yeah. I'll, I think if you can understand the fundamentals of data science and like why you would do it, that's what's going to pay you a lot more than maybe no. Well, and there's only going to be a few who are going to know how to do it, how to code it. And that's a, that's a, that's a race to the deep end because you have to know a lot of uh, not only like algorithms, but also coding and, you know, proper CI, CD, uh, you know, hmm. things. So 
yeah, I would focus on like the core concepts of machine learning and AI. Um, and then soon you'll be able to tell a computer actually already, like I said, in, in Google and SQL, all you have to do is do it. And in like other cloud environments like Azure, you can say, hey, I, you know, I want to run auto ML and I want it to be a regression and I want this to be the thing I predict and it'll do it all for you. Oh, that's cool. You, you know, what's funny is, um, do you ever, do you follow Scott Adams? Uh, name sounds familiar. Okay. So Scott, Anna, he's a bit of a controversial figure. Now he, yeah. he wrote the Dilbert con. He, he, he was the one who, he, he, the reason he's all, he's controversial. Is he predicted early on that Trump was going to win, mm. but um, he's like oddly philosophical. Like he, he's written a, he's written a bunch of books like when bigly um, one of the mm. things that I picked up from him that I think you're kind of hitting on um is this concept of the skill stack. So like, if you have one skill, you have to be in the top, like 99th percentile. Yeah. And then, then you get all the opportunity in that space. Like, that's kind of what you're saying. Like, that's the race though. And if yeah. it's like, you're the top 1% in power BI, you're constantly grinding to learn because it updates every month. Right. So, but if you are a power, power BI user who knows about marketing, all of a sudden you don't have to be in that 99th percentile. You can be in the top 80%. And that's right. so much easier and it's a much, it's a, like you, you hit that d- diminishing point of return at some point. Maybe it's like the 95th, 95th percentile. But like, mm-hmm. if you're interested in, in marketing and in Power BI, that right there helps you stand out. I, I think that's, I think you're totally right. Like, and it goes back to understanding what the client needs. And if, cause if you're able to say, Hey client, what, what is it that you want? And then you can tell Power BI to do that. Like anybody can go into Power BI. Anybody can download Power BI right now and go and play <laughs> in it, right? But if you know how to take this and put it into this, that's the power. Like that's that's the magic sauce. Like anybody can anybody can code up something in, in Python or you know you can run a SQL query. But if you know how to take somebody's information or how to take some what a person is wanting and to translate it into some actionable thing, even if you can handle that conversation you can get paid big, big bucks and well, it's, it's the tool is the leverage. Yeah. Cause it's like, you've, you've already done the learn. You've already, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with like trial and error. Like for example, I mean, I, I took a pretty big L publicly this, this semester and yeah. that I invested, I hired a marketing agency and spent $2,000 over three months and got zero in returns. Oh, no. So, and, but I mean, the thing is like, I learned quite a bit about that okay. and that um, it's all about specific knowledge. So like mm. the agency I went with was they focused on service-based businesses. So how oh. you sell a service. So the, the, the intuition in the service-based industry is uh, don't discount your product. You don't, you don't never yeah. discount your hourly rate because yeah, then sure. you're going to attract negative, terrible customers. Mm-hmm. But in, when I've created a fully automated digital asset, yeah. I don't care the, like if you're, I mean, I guess a little bit in that, like if people, I sit on like Udemy, my, my, uh, the people who take my Udemy courses for like six bucks versus people on on LinkedIn who have paid 30, that subscription of 30. I do get a whole lot, like probably an exponential more, uh, exponentially higher volume of questions from Udemy than I do from LinkedIn, but it's not, it's not like I'm spending time with them and it's 
it's not as draining, especially because I can hire just support people to handle sure. questions about the course. Sure. Sure. Um, to where, yeah, like it's, it's, it's about specific knowledge. Like I understand marketing principles, but like you have a specific strategy that works within different industries. Yeah. So I would actually take that skill stack a bit further of like power BI marketing, what specific industry you're in. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're, you're going into that position where you're advising. Yep. And that's, and that, I mean, so first you get paid for what you do, then you get paid for eventually what you know. Right. And that's where you eventually want to go. Right. You want to yeah. get paid for what you know. And I think technology is going to help you get there really a lot faster because, you know, I think it's going to come to the point where you can say, Hey Siri, run a regression model on this data and it will be able to, but you have to know when to run a regression model on the data. So it's judgment. Yeah. 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 It's, it's going to be that, that skill set. You may not know like how to do it, how to code it, but that's going to be behind the layers for you. Um, and you don't have to worry about that. But What's funny. Know. I've been conceptualizing in my own mind is like, I no longer have young man energy. No, my goodness. Okay. I have old man energy now. Okay. And it's like, right. so when I was young, it's like, well, there's multiple types of luck. Like there's, yeah. there's hustle luck where it's like, if you turn over enough stones, you're eventually going to find something. Yeah. And that's just like, just the volume and the energy. I don't have that level of energy anymore. Mm -hmm. So now it's like, but I've done enough hustling that I know a few things. So now it's like, I'm slowed down and I'm much more judgment focused than I was in my earlier years. But I think that through that early, just like amount of like, just energy that I'm throwing out in the world. Like I definitely got smashed and rejected multiple times, but I learned from that and then like pivoted. Cause like, I, I had no idea that I was going to be a content creator. My, like when I got out of college, I was like, Oh, I'm going to build a consultancy, which actually on the face of it's like an absurd statement. No, <laughs> oh, I have, I have work. a degree now. Now I'm going to tell uh, C-suite executives like what they should do. It's like, yeah. You yeah. you. But, it, uh, but it worked. Yeah, I guess kind of. I mean, it worked until it didn't. And then I pivoted. Mm. Yeah, but, no, um, I, I yeah, I think uh, I, I think that's right. And there's a there's a book I just finished reading uh, this week called Thou Shalt Prosper. Talked all about that, like these this uh, it it's on a Jewish rabbi wrote it. And he talked about how business is uh, is the, the ultimate form of service. And uh, it was so it was really yeah. good. And so, but he talked about the difference between old and young people. He's like, old people are made to retire, but he's like that if we're making people have this mandatory retirement age, we're going off of the theory that you are slowly diminishing um, as you get older, your, your ability to return on a business. Um, but when the thing is the old people or, you know, your old people energy, you have all of this knowledge now and you're actually a more beneficial to the business because you've been through all these things and you all know all this stuff. So, well, okay. I, you know what? I, I, I'm 32, so I'm not like ancient, ancient. No, you're old. Done, <laughs> no, just kidding. Just kidding. I'm 32. That's true. I mean, like, if I'm like, I'm, I'm oh. old to start learning a new skill set. I would say that it's, it's hard to pivot at this age into a completely new space. But I mean, that saying, yeah. I, ha I have had a trajectory, so I've kind of got like a, a band or a range in which I could pivot into. Yeah. Um, but essentially, what I've done through my consultancy is that I am crowdsourcing these hard earned experiences from CFOs, presidents of companies, CEOs. Um, I almost feel like it's, 
it's like a it's like a hacked life or something because it's like i now know how cfos think about analytics and now mm. i know how cmos for example cmos love visualizations they love like bright flashy yeah. things yeah a cfo they want they want it essentially just in a chart and yeah. they want to be able to pull it out into excel which is like not really it's not, not the best practice the but yeah. it's like look this is what they want this is what they've used to they're used to they've been using excel for 30 years so like your job is not to like teach an old dog new tricks. It's to right. help amplify what they're doing as much as possible. Right. So I'm kind of curious about you launching into your consultancy. Did you have a similar experience where it's like you felt like you hustled as a business analyst and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, I want to take on new projects. And what was the motivation there? Um, I, I, so for me, it, it kind of goes back like, um, I, I wanted to be able to connect as much as I could to the end product and to the end user. Mm. Um, and a lot of people, and I, there's, I have a lot of friends and coworkers who are excellent business analysts who are great at what, at what they do, but I was feeling a little bit removed. Um, and I, and I wanted to get a little more technical as well. Um, so that I could eventually kind of do my own thing. I don't think to take over necessarily. I don't know if I'll ever you know do this full time, but um, I wanted to, I want to be able to say, no, I have this core skill set and it's just me. I could do all of this if you, if you need me to. So now I can go to, you know, the wax escape room, which is somebody who I, I was able to do business with and um, say, what is it that you need? Okay. I can help get you there based upon your data. And then I had that skill set. And so like, it was just honestly business to me is service. And so it was, it's a way for me to serve other people. And, um, and then I could, I could do it a lot faster because I had this core skill set. Yeah, this is a total tangent here, but are you familiar with the YouTube channel CoffeeZilla? No, I haven't, but I'm okay. interested. So CoffeeZilla, their whole thing is that they call out fake gurus and scammers. Oh. It's interesting because I feel the same way where it's like I'm, I I want to give before I take. Right. Like a lot of these like Jake Paul and his NFTs, Dude. they're just like pumping and dumping. Yeah. And, they're they're they are taking as much as they can yeah and it's uh i think that that is a it's a good way to optimize earning in the short term long term yeah. it's not sustainable though right although i don't know that the paul brothers seem to like i don't know how they're it's like they just it's almost like the trump thing where they just go from one thing to the next to the next to the next of scandals and it's it's so much that people can't like cancel them for one thing okay <laughs> can't wrap their arms around everything <laughs> right it's, but you know like and yeah you know, they might they might continue on but it's just it's a hollow lifestyle and i i, I couldn't do it you know yeah there's, there's not much in there for me um I, at the end of the day if i know i help somebody then you know it's a win good all right speaking of helping people chris weaver's got a question yeah. for you all right so he's saying the pandemic is how i learned about the general field of data science so i guess being home and being online um, i was wondering which projects look good on a resume Hmm. So I think, I think any project would look good on a resume, right? So it's the a Titanic. Titanic is a good one. I mean, you could look at uh, that's uh, like the, the generic one data set. Has. Yeah. You know, like you could go on Kaggle and you could and do stuff. I think the most important thing is you've done projects and they're documented and they're on your GitHub, right? Like, mm. or you can, or you can talk to it because they're going to come in and ask you and be like, what projects have you done? And they're not just going to like wait for a list. They're going to dive in and they're going to say, what problems did you experience? Like, what are, what, how did you face those problems? You know, what, what methods did you use in order to accomplish 
those issues. So any project, and if you were able to, I think personally, if I was a hiring manager and somebody said, hey, I did a Google project and I can tell you everything about it, or a Kaggle project, I mean, and I can tell you everything about it versus somebody says, hey, I found an issue in my local government or with my local businesses and I took their data, I cleaned their data and then I solved this problem for them. That's going to look a whole lot more interesting than, hey, I got I got a Kaggle, both of which are going to use the same type of technical experience. But at this one, I think it would hold a lot more weight. You don't okay. think the um, the one about going out to community tells it tells a narrative. Yeah. And I think that that's like, well, it, it's it's almost like taking your portfolio to the third dimension of like, OK, not only is it you have the hard skills, but it's also you're telling. So Nick Singh, um, he wrote the book Ace the Data Science Interview. He's actually coming on the podcast, oh, okay. um, I think, in like a week or two, the, December 10th. So, yeah, a week. Um, and his what he says about portfolios is um, make it super interesting and relevant to you. So, like, he's done, like, a deep dive data science analysis of the hip-hop industry or the hip-hop oh, wow. space. Yeah. And it's, like, he's super passionate about it, and he lights up when he talks about it. He says, like, um, actually, I was just watching an interview doing a little bit of research on him. Like, it's the halo effect. Like, if you are really passionate and you've made an impact, they're going to see that and say, wow, he, he's going to do the same thing here. Right. Yeah, I, I totally I totally agree. I, you know, especially if you're interviewing for a company, there's something that interests you about that. So that, that energy can probably take uh, and ride with you. Do you have any – what's your portfolio look like? Do you have a Tableau or do you have – you said GitHub. So I, yeah, I, so it's funny. I don't actually have a public GitHub. I have a private one that I host on my code with. Um, the problem is most of my stuff has been like uh, with my, the, um, all the, my company, so my professional company. Well, you, so, I was supposed to say, you're not looking for a job right now. So it's like not as. I'm, I'm not. Yeah. So I, I have like a, a business portfolio on my website. So between the data.com, you can look up uh, tools and projects that I've done. Um, and it, and all it's, it's going to show, it's not going to show any code. It just shows outcomes. Um, so it might show some graphs and, or just me explaining some things. Um, and, uh, that's, that's kind of my portfolio because my main goal is not talk to data people is to talk to business people and business people. They don't right. know what import from, um, you know, matplotlib looks like. All right. I'm pulling it up right now. Let's go over at least one. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 All right. If this internet will load, it's going a little slow. Which which one's your favorite, or which one's a good one? Oh man, oh man. So we talked about the travel agency one. So if you want, we can open that one up. So go down. Um, it's a, a trip marketing trip with a travel agency. Oh, okay. No, this is fantastic because I want people to see like what. I mean, this is. I would say this is a step up from like in a, a portfolio that you would have typically for an interview. You've got your own WordPress website and it's like, I mean, if for you to land a consulting deal, I think it's a little bit tougher than an interview in a lot of cases. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it depends on who you're interviewing for. Um, but I love this. Yeah. So a marketing trip with a travel agent, how to put your customers on. I'm paying all this money for marketing. How do I? Okay. Yeah. See, I, the narrative structure of this is fantastic. Think so, yeah. So, uh, I again, my previous uh, job was in uh, graphic design and writing. So, don't judge me too much. It might, it's, oh. it's kind of weak now, but 
I kind of talked about the problem they were facing again, like they were all of their money, like they were putting all this money into marketing. What's going on? So mm -hmm. talked about the problem and the problem statement and then the actual problem they were facing. And then we talked about how they were rerouting customers. <clears throat> so I talked about like their contact us. Oh, that's great. I don't know why some things aren't coming up here, but um, those links are weird, but uh, yeah. So their contact us page, like it was, uh, you know, it was, it was just bad. Like it, it didn't lead anybody anywhere. Um, and then there's not a lot of pictures on here. I need to fix that. Uh, but then talked about text and text analytics. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a nice image. Yeah. So this is, so this is one, I, I took all of their posts, right. And then um, found topics from those posts. And then it's part of a predictive model. You can take text and then um, make key topics, those key topics, then you can use to predict all the other posts and so um that's what that's i did cool. yeah so use that topic modeling it was really helpful every post now is part of a specific topic those are the six key topics and the words that are associated with all those topics so i was able to show that to the travel agency and wow say, hey, this, this this is right here it looks really strong oh it's yes yeah, yeah incredibly incredibly strong i said hey these are the things that you're talking about these topics do these look familiar to you and she was like oh yeah that's really interesting like i think the top left was a promotion she was running um and then you know i think like the top right was like another promotion that they were talking about i think like this is their Disney travel agency. So like one was about star Wars um, and the, the model was able to pull everything out that was about star Wars in there. Um, and then another topic was about, Hey, contact us. Everything they talked about was like about contact us. And that was the thing that was at least performing. So if you go down, there should be another, another graph. Yeah. So <clears throat> these are their key topics, right? And um, the thing that they were that light blue section. So all the this colors, one? All uh, one, one over. Um, oh, that. So all the colors are the different topics, and the red are how much they're being engaged with. So that that um, one that you're hovering over, this is like the top three, like within the top three of topics they're talking about, and nobody was interested in it. Nobody was engaging with it. Nobody was liking it. Nobody was wow. commenting. But if you look at the thing that was engaged with the most, is that that tallest red line? This one, yeah. That one. They were talking about they were people were engaging that the most, but they were talking about that the second to least of all of their topics. And I was like, guys, you have a you are have a missed opportunity here. People want to hear more about this and less about this thing. Wait, can we all right? Let me push back on this. What if these are people that they don't want to market though? Well, so okay, so what if it, they don't want to market to those people? Like, okay, for example, like what if it's they they do um I'm trying to think of like what if it's people that are outside of their target demographic that are resonating with that? It, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of projecting my own like, um, like research onto this. Like for example, it could be people who are focused on certifications. Like that, that's actually the number one thing that is on our um, YouTube. Like we're ranked not like really high on Power BI and Tableau certifications, and I'm getting away from that. Oh, okay. Because like I don't want to be trapped by having to update every month. Yeah. See, that's what's interesting about this. Oh, it's it's just an interesting conversation that you could have. Right. Because it's like maybe they want to get away from it. I don't know. In this situation, was it just like an aha moment where they were like, "Oh, I had no idea that my cus my customers like this." That's it. That's that. That was it. So like, I think the green one, 
that was about like really cool trips that a customer could take a potential client could take and they were showing oh, pictures okay. and really yeah. interesting like destinations that blue one that nobody was engaging with but they were talking about a lot it was hey contact us email us uh join go to our website and nobody was really engaging with that nobody liked to nobody liked to see that nobody was liking it nobody was even going to those links so what do you think that is um because they well, I think it goes back to that reciprocity thing for them at that time. What they were they didn't doing is the brand recognition. Well, they were just all they were doing was asking. They weren't giving that much. And yeah, this shows it. People wanted to be given stuff, and they didn't want to be asked for stuff. That um, is really interesting. Yeah, because yeah, I am. I, um, I feel like I get a handful of like super fans who are like almost every live stream, and they're constantly giving me feedback and like ideas, and it's great. Um, but there, I think there's some people who are going in different directions and they just kind of drop off. But yeah, okay. Yeah. So yeah, this, this is fascinating in that you're making something somewhat like intangible, concrete of like, right. look, you haven't done a good job of building your brand online yet. And right. this is a very strong way. Like, And then you could go off of marketing recommendations, um, start a newsletter that gives away like, oh, did you know about you know Disney in France or whatever? Yeah. Well, and, and this goes back to that the entire question that the marketing agency had, right? I don't know where all this money is going that I'm spending on marketing. But their major other question that they were asking underneath it is, what is it like and how are people perceiving my market? And so mm -hmm. you give them this information and then they can explode with a bunch of different ideas just by giving this simple output of information and say, this is how people are perceiving you. Now you can go and do a bunch of different things with it. Right. Well, I mean, I almost call it like my Trojan horse strategy. I, I typically start like if I'm trying to rope a new client, I'll start off with a very basic interactive sales dashboard and then it will lead to so many other questions. Yeah. Like, oh, I didn't know that, you know, X, X category was, was selling so high. Can we look at it on a map? And it just leads to more. It's funny. It's um in, in my MBA, they, they like really warned me about scope creep. Mm. That's like what I've built my whole agency around this like. Uh, oh, are you curious? Oh, yeah. yeah? You want to know about that? Uh, yeah. Like, it, um, it's it's funny because I, I now just do a base retainer and then it goes as long as as they want until it kind of, you know, runs out of steam. But, uh, yeah, I don't think that's scope creep. That's, uh, you know, just selling yourself a little bit better. So, Well, scope creep in that, like, it, my first initial way of conceptualizing projects was like, all right, I'll do this project for $15,000. And then mm -hmm. that actively discourages that curiosity component. Yeah. But if it's like, hey, I'll take a look at this for you know X amount a month, yeah, then you're you're monetizing mm -hmm. that. I mean, this is we're just getting off into the weeds about consulting. No, you're good. No, but this is this is great. So final thoughts. Okay. What are your yeah. final thoughts on this? So on the on the this page. Yeah. Or in general. So well, I'm just saying, like, what okay, so you have I mean, it's very well organized. Yeah, thanks. I will thanks. say that. And you got so, the key takeaways. Yeah, so if, they, you know, if they don't take things away, then you know if they don't read the whole thing, just focus on those key things. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, so I, I try to finish out everything that I have. So, like, I have – and my site's broken up into two different ways. So I have a, a project side where I talk about projects I've done. But I also have, like, a tools side. And tools are, like, easy, quick, implementable belt? things. Yep, go in the tool belt. So like yeah. kind of 
resolving that around idea of like the Batman tool belt type of thing. Um, you go ahead and click on like uh, an easy way to find your best customers and to keep them okay. coming back. So, so this you're getting into that like cons- you're giving advice instead of responding to what they think they want. Yep. And so this is also like my portfolio where I can now, if I have certain things that I know can help a client, they can say, oh, tell me more about that. I'd be like, I will. I want to talk to you about it. But also here's this information on my site. You can come here and learn more about it. So like, so you, you ever heard framework. of yeah, yeah. Frameworks so are I, very powerful. Yeah. So it I gives I, people just a step-by-step process. And I've built out like the code behind it. So that way, if somebody's like, I want this, I'll be like, great. The code's already there. I can just, you know, just give me your data and then I'll, I'll churn it through this and give you the output. Wow. Of what this looks like. Also, so you need to not say that you don't have a portfolio. This is like one of the most polished ones I've seen. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thanks. Yeah, I guess I have well, a portfolio. Think, I mean, think about yeah. this compared to like the average GitHub. Portfolio, yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I'm, this I'm, is highlighting the results, but I mean, this is geared towards selling though, as opposed to, well, I guess interviewing, you're selling yourself though. I mean, this is really cool. So I you're, you're giving rank orders. So yeah. Are, uh, yeah. So RFM analysis, it's, there's three key topics is recency, frequency, monetary value. And you rate each customer mm-hmm. um, on a scale from, you know, in this one, it's a one to three. Um, and you give them a, a score for each of those. And then based upon their combined score, whether they're like, in this case, Loyal Larry's a 232 and Susie Sabres a 213, you then approach those customers differently. And so you segment right. your own market based upon how they, and they are already telling you, right? So like if you have, a, if you're like a retail business and you're capturing how often, or if you're, if you're capturing transactions with you know, a, a customer's information, you can, they're telling you how they want to do business with you. You just got to listen to it. You got to look mm. between the data to, uh, to understand that. There you go. There's your tagline between that's the data. Tag- there it is. <laughs> that's right. Full you got to work it in. That's right. Yeah, this, that's fantastic. Um, all right. So we, we have rattled on for almost uh, an hour and a half now. So um, I've got ahead right about now. Yeah. But Ben, this has been awesome. I'm, I'm glad that we like got in. I'm trying to do that more and more of like get into the weeds. Sure. And because like Shashank was saying that the, some of his most popular videos are him coding and like getting oh, really into something. Yeah. So like showing something very literal and like having you commentate on it has been fantastic. Well, good. Okay, good. Well, so I, where's I, the best place? Helpful. Yeah, where's the best place? Of, of, it's been fantastically helpful. Well, okay. where's the best place for people to fi- follow you on LinkedIn? So I am on LinkedIn, just, you know, Ben Burke. Um, and, uh, I, I try to, I'm trying to get more regular posting there. If you have any questions, um, Ben at between the data.com, uh, you can reach out to me there. And then also, um, I, there's a bunch of places on my website that you can go look at at between the data.com and look up things, helpful tools, tips, things like that. And then also contact me forms there. Uh, if you have any questions. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. And this is some sweet work. And everyone in the live chat, thank you so much for tuning in. Yeah, thanks everybody. Thanks, John. Hey, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I'm curious, were there any valuable insights or lessons that you learned? One thing that could hugely help us out is if you just took 30 seconds and left us a review with a little blurb about what you learned. Thank you so much for your time and attention, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Hey, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. 
I'm curious, were there any valuable insights or lessons that you learned? One thing that could hugely help us out is if you just took 30 seconds and left us a review with a little blurb about what you learned. Thank you so much for your time and attention, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.